Hey everybody, we are Martin, Robert, and Francis, and this is Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready, we're about to live in your head, rent-free. Hey everyone, welcome back to Snakes and Otters. Uh, I'm Martin. I'm Robert. I'm Francis. So, what I wanted to get to though, guys, is about comic books, what's the appeal? Why do we love them? So we've laid the groundwork here. When you look at what we've talked about, part of it's the characters and what they're doing type of books are a reflection of the culture. So they're tied into that. But now we've come to the point where it's turned around. The comic books are feeding the cultural touchstones. Yes. They're creating them. They're not reflecting them. I think part of this is twofold. One is the... I hesitate to say this because I don't want to sound negative, but... A lot of our cultural creativity is just bankrupt. It is. Everything's been done. Everything's been done. Right. Um, Nothing is original anymore. There's not been a, an original rock song in 15 years. Right. Well, at least. Uh, there's not been an original TV show. Now, granted, how you go about this stuff, mm-hmm. uh, everybody who has a favorite TV show is going to lambast me for that. It's all variations on a theme. It, it's true. It's all, it, but all creativity is. But I think part of it is our culture, there's so many things here. Our culture has gotten to the point where we have more leisure time than anything else, right? Um, I mean, hell, in Europe, if you work more than 30 hours a week, you are, you know, you're you're a slave to the to the corporate world. You know, you've got slave drivers for a boss who work more than 30 hours. In this country, if you work more than 30 hours, you're kind of lucky to have a full-time job. Um, but we have so much leisure time. So because of that, we have a greater demand... For entertainment. There's so many ways to fill it. And there are so so many ways ways to fill it now. Thank you, technology. Before, you had newspapers and books. Then you had radio. Then you had television. And three networks. And you had three (laughs) networks. (laughs) Eventually, you got a fourth network. If you're really lucky, a fifth network, uh, depending on where you were at. And that fifth network might have just been PBS. Um, In some bigger uh, markets, you would have had more than that. But still, the, the ones that were the fourth, fifth, sixth networks, they were showing reruns of the three networks. Yeah, I mean, as far as new content, yeah, it's, it's, it's three networks until right. the, until the uh, explosion of cable, until HBO. Right, and even then, HBO didn't have a whole lot of stuff. It was mainly, they were playing movies that yeah. had been in the theaters, and they had a couple of new shows. The big cable networks didn't have more than one or two new shows going on at a time. And it was fun because... They didn't know what was going to work, so they just put on anything. Right. Hey, how about this? How about we go to a, a, a nightclub and film all the stand-ups? Right. <laughs> that was, well, yeah. you know, I mean, that's how you discover Sam Kennison. Right. And, you know, on HBO, I forget the name of the show now, but the main character was Martin. It was basically his quest to successfully or unsuccessfully, depending on the season, to get laid. That's all it was. And that was the entire series. Then you had Sex in the City, which is basically the same thing for the women. Uh, so, and then in the 90s, you start having more and more channels. You have independent networks, which again, still mostly showing reruns, but you're starting to get a flicker of, hey, we've got more channels. Then the interesting thing happens. When you have the writer's strike, and all of a sudden you had reality TV. Mm -hmm. Survivor. Reality TV. Well, I think it's the writer's strike. That's correct. They learned how to do television without the creators. And what this does is it frees up the creators to work for AMC, TNT, 
the cable networks. Netflix. Netflix when it comes along <laughs> yeah, later. This, right. is, this is later. Yeah, yeah. later. Uh, now Hulu, yeah. Amazon Prime. That's right. All of these are doing original programming. The best original programming is not on the big three networks anymore. No. It hasn't been in years. That's right. With the a few exceptions. With, with a few exceptions. But, yeah. but, I mean, quantitatively. Absolutely. No question. The vast majority of it, show-wise, count the shows, That's are right. not on NBC, and, CBS, and, and ABC. And people don't care. And people don't care anymore. Yeah. And so, if you look at the stuff that's on TNT, AMC, BBC America, Absolutely. a lot of this stuff is comic book related, but we didn't know it. Preacher, uh-huh. comic book. Yep. Lucifer, mm-hmm. comic book. Walking Dead, comic, comic book. book. And tons of others. Because they're too busy creating. They didn't realize they their well was dry. They needed a new source. Well, comics, because of that magical continuity we've had for however long, it's fertile ground. It's unbelievably fertile ground. And even though we talk about it like comics were all over the place, it's still a very small sub-segment of the culture. That's right. Most people don't know about it. Up until the 90s, comics were still for nerds. Yeah. And the reason, and, and the way you can tell when comics became different is when you had all of these people buying, all of a sudden in the 90s, millions of copies of X-Men number one, X-Force number one, and all these others thinking they're going to be worth a lot of money in the future. It's like, well, no, when you print millions and everybody keeps them, no, they're not going to be worth that kind of money. I saw those books at the flea market this weekend for a dollar a piece. Yeah. A dollar. And they're everywhere. And they're everywhere. Well, so. That was that was a comic books listening to the investor market. Yes, and yes. That, instead of worrying about making comic books, which yeah. they should have done. But, yeah. so you, but you still, you had this explosion in the 90s of all these new companies doing stuff created all this fertile ground to be mined later. Again, because being, it was being different. driven by the artists for, for a change That's rather right. than by publishers. And then eventually, though, by the end of the 90s, though, the writer was king again. Yeah. Correct. And they realized... I, honestly, he, I think it's more too much the writer is king, but I think we need to get back to a better balance well, than we Well, they discovered when you had... Because be. there's lots of superstar writers out there. Jonathan Hickman's one right now that's getting ready to come back to, uh, come back to Marvel. He's can- they're canceling all the X Men books, every single one of them, and he's rebooting it, just like John Byrne did with uh, Superman. Wait, no, 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 no! Stop using the. Uh, sorry, I, I don't mean to jump on you. People use this word "reboot." That's right. It, it does not mean what you think it means. That is correct. It is not that type of a reboot. It is starting. Crisis on Infinite Earths was a reboot. Was a reboot. Yes. There's no. Every time you put out a new number one, is at best a reset. It is not a freaking well, reboot. Reset. J.J. Abrams Star Trek. That's a reboot. Right. Not a reset. So sorry, it's it's a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> we noticed. Yes. yes. Okay. Well, you hit on something here too that I've heard other commentators talk about. And I've read a little bit about. Oh, how smart of them! Is <laughs> is this that there's very little uh, cultural? I'm not sure of the right word, but very little that common experience anymore. Back in the day. Everybody watched the last episode of MASH. Yes. It was a... We had common cultural touchstones. And right now, probably the closest that we have to a common cultural touchstone that everybody knows something about is probably MCU and Game of Thrones. Yeah. I mean, that's it. Those are certainly the largest ones, yeah. But in the past, I mean, everybody watched Magnum P.I. Everybody watched MASH. Everybody watched... Interesting you say that, too, because The Big Bang Theory just ended its 12-year run between these two polls that you just mentioned... It's the exception. And, ...and barely got a mention. 
too many. Well, it was yeah. there. A lot of watched it, but everybody's talking about. For well, every, it happened to end at the same time. Game of Thrones. I, re- I realized that that was not. But good I bet you could compare Big Bang Theory, which, by all accounts, is one of the most successful network shows of the last twenty years. Correct. But I bet if you compared its numbers, as audience numbers, to All in the Family, I bet it's not half. Yeah, last episode of Mash. No, it's it's not. For uh, for the time period though it was a huge huge deal. Yes, yeah, and, and that's enough. There's millions of that's other options there's, now. Yeah, and there's not, not the common. So yeah, it's yeah. Almost not and the interesting thing is, it exemplifies what we're talking about. Yeah, it is the glorification of comic book culture. Yes, it really is. Right. Because the main characters, Penny aside, is are they're, they're nerds. Yeah. They're all about the comic books. Now, granted, they're all scientists, and not all scientists are going to be comic book nerds, but these guys were because that's how non-comic book people view smart people. You know? Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's full house in reverse. Yeah. It's everybody's an Urkel, and now Penny's the, the straight man. Yeah. So. So, it, may, it probably didn't start with Big Bang Theory, but it certainly is an outgrowth of this whole idea that Nerd culture is cool now. Mm-hmm. And this is where I was going a little while ago. How you know that nerd culture used to not be cool and how it is now. So when we were going to conventions back in the late 80s, late early 90s, 90s. Uh, we didn't get a whole lot of comic book conventions. Mostly sci-fi, Star Trek, and yeah. a few others. But even the early comic book conventions we were able to go to, even co- had comic-related stuff, it was mostly a bunch of pimply-faced guys. Mm-hmm. Or Shatner put it, you, you're 30. You know, have you ever kissed a girl? You know, <laughs> living in your basement, your mom's basement. Now, granted, you know, millennials do that now, but it's a different thing. Yeah. Uh, they do it because they can't get a job. Or maybe don't want to. I don't know. Uh, the, the, then those guys game. did. Video yeah. games are keeping them in the basement. Right. Gotcha. You know, and if any millennials are li- listening to this and they are offended, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. Yeah, sack up. Yeah, really. Man you, up. You should be listening to us anyway. Um, so, but now you go to comic book conventions. First of all, everybody goes. Yes. Popular people, non-popular people, hot girls, hot guys, pimply face guys, pimply face girls. It's everybody. It's everybody. All ages too. And all Families, ages. Fathers, mothers, children. When we were going, it would have been unheard of to have good-looking girls at these things. Absolutely unheard of. Now you see, because uh, the cosplay thing is huge, yeah. right? Adults dressing up as comic book characters. And they put a lot of time and money into these things. Right. And some of them actually have sponsors. And they make money off it. Honestly, I don't understand how, but they do. And well, I mean, you've got a person who bathes in milk and Fruit Loops on YouTube making money that way. Everything is possible. Anything That's is true. possible. That's true. That's true. If the internet has taught us anything, is there is somebody out there for everybody. <laughs> and you can find them. But... So we've seen, so anyways we see this mainstreaming of a lot of stuff. Yes. You know, you've got Spider-Man and X-Men movies in the early in the 2000s, all right? Laying the groundwork. Granted they do some of that material poorly. Some of it's good, but you know, it's some it's a mixed bag. Yeah. Nobody can do the Fantastic 4 yet. Thank God Marvel's got it back. We're waiting. We're waiting. Uh, but now starting with Iron Man which is a very risky move. Even though they had a couple of Hulk movies, they were not so good. No. Especially that first one. But now you've got this risky move because you've got Robert Downey Jr. Does not have the best reputation. 
It's really the first movie that Marvel did as Marvel, right? right? Exactly. And they did it right. Who else would play Tony Stark? Looking back at it. Like nobody could ever. Nobody. Exactly. Well, they pulled, and, and this is something that I always try to explain to my wife, because she'll ask questions. About, she loves all these movies. She doesn't always get them. It's like, you got to understand, there's 60 and 70 years of this material. So, yes, they've done everything. So, when you pull in that Stark's an alcoholic, yeah, that was done in the comic books at one yeah. time. Yeah, all uh, these. When, which, you, when you pull in that he has a bad re, uh, relationship with S.H.I.E.L.D., that was done in the comic books. S.H.I.E.L.D. tried to buy Stark in Industries out from underneath Tony Stark one time. Because Marvel knows all this because they published all this. That's yeah. why they can get the characters right. And they can cast where they know that we're going to be consistent with anything we might want to do based on our history. Now, that's, part that's of the problem genius. with that, though, is that now the comic books are reflecting the movies. That's correct. And, that's a, that, and that I, narrows things down big time. Yes. It, yeah. it, it, it squelches a lot of creativity that we've had in the past. Because, well, because we don't all of... Every, just because Chris Evan is, Evans is an absolutely awesome Captain America doesn't mean that every comic book that was awesome of Captain America in the past reflected that. Right. In, in, in fact, many did not. Uh, well, there's nuance there. I mean, you see it in things like the costumes, for instance. Captain America's comic book costume has taken on elements of the movie costume. Right. Samuel L. Jackson is a fantastic Nick Fury. He was basically the basis of Nick Fury in the Ultimate Comics line. That's right. Because they always said, if they ever do movies they, about the Ultimate Comics, they want Nick Fury to play... Or they want Samuel, Samuel L. Jackson, Jackson to play Nick Fury. <laughs> yeah. And they got him! That's right. Um, but the original Nick Fury bore no resemblance, had nothing to do with it. So no. they basically sidelined him. And they did. And even in the comics now, there is a son of Nick Fury right. who is black. With an eye patch. With an eye patch. Talks a lot like Samuel L. Jackson. Too. Yeah, looks a lot like him. That's right. Okay, fine. Comics are always doing contrived stuff, but, you know, that's just one example. Hawkeye's costume yeah. looks like it does in the movies. Mm -hmm. That may be a good thing, because that was, you know, that purple monstrosity was kind of goofy. That's right. But, you know, a lot of comic book costumes aren't meant for the big screen. No, that's right. They're, they look they're good drawn. With that beautiful four color, you know, all the, all the beautiful... You have to understand, too, comic books, one of the reasons they sold so well for children is the bright colors. It's very yeah. attractive for children. That's true. That's, that's very true. started a lot of this. People liked watching it just for the colors that you could do. So, therefore, you would create an artist, by definition, would create something that really brought in a completely different palette. That's why Hawkeye is purple in the comics. And Quicksilver is green, light green. And then he became light silver because they had enough, they already had the Hulk. And all, you know, they're trying to balance these primary colors and things like well, that. Well, and also, the the villains tended to have the either muted or mixed colors. Right. It was the heroes that had the primary colors. That's correct. So it was it was very deliberate. And, yeah. uh, and it was uh, sooner or later they, they learned to work that medium very, very well. Because if you look at some yeah. of John Romita's Spider-Man stuff in the 70s, yeah. all the fashions are 70s fashions. Oh, yeah. But God that, help us. Before <laughs> that, nobody cared about that. Yeah. That's just one more example of uh, art reflecting life. Yeah. So now that I think, because it, like we said, the cultural stories have been kind of milked. And that's partially because we've got so many places to do the stories. Yeah. I think we're kind of sick of them. How many times can you do a group of people that are friends with each other and do a sitcom about it? You know? Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, essentially, that's Big Bang Theory as well as Friends, right? Yeah. The circumstances change, but it's hard to come up with circumstances that are fresh enough to do. It's only if you can get the right cast 
and the right characters. Now, then it works. In five but, years, there'll be another successful group comedy like Friends and Big Bang Theory, but they don't have multiple ones at the same time, right? They um, try, but they try. We only we can only really sustain one in a. But even so, it's always niches. I mean, you right. know, there's some family yeah. comedies. Yeah. You know, there's uh, everything. And there's also a lot of let's make fun of what has gone before comedies, right? So you've got some stuff that's said about the 80s or the 90s, you know, in that kind of time frame. And it's kind of lampooning them, but, you know, it's nobody cares because some of the shows are good. Well, because and they're wanting the people that lived through that to watch these shows. To so get the nostalgia. nostalgia. Yeah. Right. Nostalgia is a is big it, business. Nostalgia yes. runs in about 20-year... Right. And that's one of the reasons that comic books are tied the way they are in the nerd culture. It's, and they can't seem to break out of what they got because people... That nostalgia is so entrenched within. That's why Captain America and Iron Man and all those guys are still here, and so many they can't get new ones really brought on because nostalgia is too powerful for for many of the niche buyers. Marvel tried a thing uh, a few years back where they were basically replacing all the old white guys, and they were doing it with mostly young female ethnic characters. Yeah, and a lot of people didn't like it. And contrary to what these social justice people will say, it wasn't because we didn't want to see white guys replaced by ethnic females. It's because they just didn't do a good job. Right. Or it's ham-fisted. Or why do you have to replace them? Why do you have to... Because in a way, it's a disservice. Why do you have to have a young black girl become Iron Man? First of all, it's Iron Man, right? Um, why can't you have the two characters exist side by side. Which is where we've, we've become now. Ultimately, that's where you've come around. That's right. And they've, just, they, they've played around because with this whole it legacy it doesn't matter, idea. ultimately, I always found in, in comic books, it didn't matter what color or whatever, anything about the character. If it was a good character, it was a good character. That's exactly right. Storm's a great character. When you build the character based on, on these physical attributes first, ultimately it's weak. Well, so it, it's shallow. It's right. It's it, doesn't, one it doesn't have the. It's when exactly it's right. just about the thing that is you know, why, why different the, about the external characteristic. That's yeah, right. and then it's and because, boring. Yeah, because one of the reasons that Doctor Strange and Tony Stark and many of these other characters are interesting, they've got a backstory that makes sense. Part of the problem with those is the social justice warriors would right. have have us believe. Part of the problem with those characters currently is that they are a bunch of white guys. There are not a whole lot of ethnic superheroes even today. Part of that's because of when they were created. We all get that. Right. If you were to create Doctor Strange today, you could just as easily do an Hispanic or black man Absolutely. or even woman yeah, sure. as that character and drop them into those same situations. Sure. But no. that's because the... <clears throat> but Doctor Strange exists. But Doctor Strange exists. There you go. That's the issue. Um, you can't create from scratch. Yeah. They've tried many times. The new universe. But, well, yeah, but my point is, though, the those characters, the thing that defines them is not the fact that they're white guys. Correct. The problem with the ones they've created to replace is the fact that they're not white guys specifically yeah. is what they're trying to do. I think that's why it's and it failed. And it screams that. Yeah. So they've taken what is essential to those characters and thrown part of that out thinking that this other thing was the essential part we're going to get rid of that you know because that whole white guy thing well, I don't want to do that it's anymore. like it's like replacing uh, giant man or, or the Adam Ray Palmer's <clears throat> a white guy got to get rid of him so we bring in Ryan Choi and he doesn't last very long Ray, Ray Palmer still comes back because Ryan Choi was not ever developed to the point where anybody liked him very much well part of that's the problem is that it's hard to like a guy or girl 
that replaces a well-loved character. Exactly it. That's right. The problem with the fact that you well, can't get new characters is because you have the old characters that are beloved. It's, it's being forced anyway. That's correct. It is. I mean, it's... That's why they can't. You know, it's, it's the same as, okay, let's write out Henry Blake and bring in... Sherman Potter. Sherman Potter. Well, it took three seasons for anybody cared about Sherman Potter. So. Yeah. And only because it turned out to be a really good character. Well, yeah, and that was part, you know, they wrote him well and, you know... Uh, uh, well, and that's when MASH really started to get deeper. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's very much so. It was still very light comedy up through... Until Henry Blake died, it was light comedy. That's right. Yeah. And but, uh, you know, for the most part. Go yeah. right back... Marvel had a history of doing characters that were other than rich right. white guys. Mm-hmm. And it worked. Again, a, a character like Storm had a great backstory. She's still the exception. Yeah. I mean, I mean, realistically, she still is the exception, but... But it, you know, very few have you, survived. The fact that you she was a black woman from Africa is not what wasn't central to her character. It was part of her background. Right. It wasn't the it, I mean, in some ways, it was character. central to her because it's part of her background. Right. But, but it wasn't the identifying element. Right. right. She's the bridge between. Yeah. Because Scott and, and Wolverine. There yes, are very and, few. Uh, Luke Cage is a great example. He had to basically be recreated out of that black exploitation characteristic. Somehow, he survived that. Yeah, and he, and very so, few did. Very few did. And part of the reason was because they brought in Iron Fist. His book was about to be canceled. They brought the two of them together and recreated it completely into this buddy cop thing, which worked. Yeah. And then, all of a sudden, Luke Cage is not just this black guy that's black for being black. And Danny Rand is not this pseudo-Asianic uh, white savior guy. They have a reason for being together. That works, and it's fun. They that's explored the real relationship exactly between right. the two Because it characters. became about relationship not about ethnicity. I think when you look at the... Uh, maybe how some of this stuff came about. When you look at some of this stuff, the people who were influenced by Marvel in the 60s, 70s, and 80s are the people who are creating television and movies today. Yeah. Right. yeah. George R. R. Martin will tell you... Matter of fact, George R. R. Martin, I forget which book it is, he had a letter printed in one of the Marvel comics. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, he, he was a big <clears> fan. He was a big fan. Stephen King, uh-huh. huge fan, you know? So, in fact, if you go back to some of those very early 60s and 70s letters pages, many of the creators' names will appear as those who sent in letters. It is actually kind of scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that they yeah. printed yeah. them. Yeah, Jim Shooter, he's one of them. I mean, yeah. as a kid. He was a writer at 13 exactly. for Legion of Superheroes. 13! That's right. And he did a very pretty dang on good he job. He did, he did. Well, he, was, he really brought the first... Marvel-esque approach right. to right. characters it was to the Legion because it wasn't the regular continuity. Exactly. So they, could, he, they, they, they would let really him play care. a little bit. And it's just a shame the Legion's not even being published anymore. I know, yeah. I know. So, with all that influence of people who read comics, I think it's natural for them to say, hey, you know, we've got technology. Let's bring these guys to the screen. Now, why DC can't do it is beyond me, other than Wonder Woman. Well, I'll give you two words, Zack Snyder. Well, yeah, yeah, but I mean... <laughs> Why can't, why can't they say, hey, you know what? You're screwing this up for us. Look at what these guys are doing. Well, and they did it with John Favreau. I love John Favreau. He did a fantastic job and he continues to do a fantastic job, but he does not have the keys to the entire kingdom. He's not the king, he's just yeah. a minor duke. And it was when he did the second movie, Iron Man 2, and it was, oh, well, maybe we shouldn't let you do all of them, John. Uh, and then that's when we brought in uh, Kenneth Branagh, who did uh, Thor, uh, and we Joe Johnston. 
to do Captain America, and they realized who else was going to do Thor other than Kevin Kevin Brown? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's and it was. I mean, it's pretty amazing that it shows you the power. Well, because he's got the Shakespearean background. Yeah, he was to able bring to, in a to an nail Oscar that to the wall. Shakespearean yeah. director. Yeah, look at the people that got involved. Rene Rousseau. Yeah, uh, Anthony it? Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. Oh my God, really? That's right. Well, and that's you know a lot of that was Brandon, but a lot of that was the realization of yeah, we're going to do this. Is not just a comic book movie. This is a good movie. Who'd you yeah. get in Man of Steel? Yeah, was well, Zack Snyder? No, 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 no. Character wise, actor. Who'd oh, Henry get? Cavill. No, 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 no. I'm talking about. Um, for Jor-El, you hit no, what, no, no, Russell Crowe. Well, that's a little bit later. But, I mean, I mean, yeah, you get him, but... I, you get Kevin Costner. Kevin and, Costner, that's yes. the name I'm trying to think oh, of. You, oh, uh, yes. Uh, which and, and Russell, I mean, these are great actors. That's right. They're not Rene Rousseau and Anthony Hopkins, okay? Well, I'll submit to you that it wasn't It wasn't the casting that was the problem there. I think all those... Well, no, were, that was the writing. That was, That's exactly right. And I think that Zack Snyder had... He did a great job with Watchmen. I will always love him for Watchmen. He did what nobody else could do with Watchmen. That's <clears> very different... Than Superman, and yes. I think what they should have done, they realized, okay, Zach, you did a fine job with Man of Steel. Now let's hand the keys to somebody else, and that's what should have happened. You know but what's interesting? Didn't. They repeated the same mistake that got done in the late '90s and early 2000s with Man of Steel, and they even made a point of it in Infinite Crisis mm -hmm. when they did yet another reboot. And that is that part of the a thing true was reboot, not a reset. Yes, a true reset. reboot, yes. true reboot. Yes. Part of that was reboot, reset, because they never throw, DC doesn't really throw anything away except that first one. Yeah. Um, but part of the problem there was that they realized we've gotten so dark, yeah. and that was one of the things they kept bringing out. One of the motivations of the main villain, who was the Superboy right. character from the original timeline, was his his anger was on everything so dark. You're evil, and they did this. That they did this, and they recognized it. They tried to go past that, and yet they make the same damn mistake. That's correct. In Man of Steel, uh -huh. and and worse, the comic books themselves actually followed suit for a while until DC finally wised up, and they did this. They had they did the New Fifty Two, which base which was a that was a reboot. That was a reboot, and it was the first time you'd ever done. You had Action Comics number one, Detective Comics number one, never done before. They did that for them, and they and, and in many respects it was very successful in many ways. Some things, however, they tried new. They didn't last, but they recognized very shortly after that this is too dark. We're losing things because not all of these need to be Christopher Nolan, Dark Knight, Batman. Yes, he's another another problem some do, there. We want some of that, and it took them. It works few, for Batman. It, it doesn't work. It for doesn't everything. even that. It doesn't right. always work for Batman either. Yeah. It does a lot of times. Well, I mean that that got to be such a thing that it was it became cliched. I mean that's in exactly. a Deadpool movie. That is exactly right. right. It was like, oh, you're so dark. Are you sure this isn't a DC movie? Exactly. I mean, this, that that's, is exactly right. And I'll give DC credit. The comic books, anyway, when with their line line wide reset, reset, re, which called rebirth, which was 2017, I think, might have been 16, yeah, something like that. It's yeah. one of those two, and basically it was a refresh, it was a dust off, and we decided we're going to go back to what's really good. Sometimes it is dark, I mean, actually, but most of the time it's probably not. Yeah, they, they well, you know, they brought some uh, people who used to be Marvel only guys. Right. John Romita Jr. started doing DC. That's right. A Romita doing DC is unheard of. He did Batman, and it was good. He did Superman. That's right. I mean, they were excellent. They were very different. So, anyways, the appeal, the appeal is broad. It's broad. It's character driven. It's yes. character driven. A sense of justice. There's heroes. There's heroes and villains. It, it might, yes, and villains. Well, good heroes have to have good villains. Correct. Yes. One of the things that, uh, the, to me, the two movies that 
exemplify, even though they're not the most successful, but the two movies that exemplify what it means to be a good Marvel movie and a good DC movie, because there's only been one. Captain America, the first Avenger. Yes. Love it. That's my absolute favorite it's, it's of the whole still series. Is. And Wonder Woman, That's which right. is basically Captain America as a woman done in World War One. Yeah. There are so many parallels. And, you know, I, I don't see how anybody can deny those, but it was done so well. She was a true hero. That's right. She was written properly. She was acted well. It was directed well. Patty Jenkins deserves all the accolades she can get and more because she did not conform to all those expectations. Yeah. And- because Zack Snyder was still in the ascendancy when Wonder Woman was being made. And she could have bowed to that, but she didn't. She did it her way. And she's the one that's laughing all the way to the bank now because she's yeah. become one of the most popular and perhaps... A I, very sought-after director. Exactly. After that yes. Because and, she knows... And Gal Gadot, what, again, terrific actress. Really did a, an amazing She job made me forget part. Linda Carter. And that's right. And that yeah. was hard to do. And because for guys our age, that's, that's hard, hard to do. To do. But Linda Carter still had, had the culture for that. Even though many people never saw it, everybody knew who she was. Yeah. But it, this is a whole different thing. This movie, much more serious, much more realism. Right. But she was amazing in it. She was well, amazing in it. That's right. But so, you, she still was the hero. Yeah. You know? That's and right. that's, that's and, and she did it for... She wasn't the accidental hero. That's right. And she, she wasn't the revenge-based hero. And she, she wasn't Superman and Batman. And she, she was not defined in relationship to a male character either. In fact, Chris Pine, Steve Trevor, was defined in relationship to, to the her. female character. That's one of the reasons why it was so original, it was so fresh, and everybody says, well, duh, that's exactly what we should have. Absolutely. And the best part of the Justice League movie was her bits. That's correct. Yeah. Oh, it yeah. really was. Yeah. So <clears throat> the appeal is broad. You got the heroics, you've got the creators who grew up on this stuff now bringing it to the rest of the culture. So part of it is they built their own success. They laid the groundwork unintentionally when they were doing the comics, not realizing that one day they would take over popular culture. Stanley acted like comics took over popular culture. They didn't. No. They did not. No. A lot of people knew what they were. Right. But that doesn't mean they took over the culture. No, they became Not like they far have more, now. They were far well more well known by the time he finished than they were when he oh, began. Oh, absolutely. Of course. But I mean, there's a point where Marvel goes bankrupt, right? Oh yes, in the late nineties. Yes, yes, it almost went under. It was about to be, you know, I don't want to so, say I mean, it was going to be shuttered. This, but, I mean, well, they were going to go bankrupt. Yeah, they yeah. were. Yeah. So yeah, so I mean, this is this has not always been the thing that fueled culture. I mean, it well, is. I mean, no. book, this almost went under on several times. You know, back in the 50s, it almost shuttered the entire industry. In About every 20 years it does it, really. That's right. Yeah. We're due for it again, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Well, and what will happen... And Except I'll make, we got the movies. Well, I'll make the prediction. What will happen is, in a period of time, if Marvel does it well, this will not happen. But sooner or later, they're going to slip, and maybe they'll slip two or three times. Yeah. Then the money people will get worried, and then it will start to wane. And then if it wanes... Then it will be all about the glory days, but they're not making any new ones. Yeah, but there's always a reaction. There's always a, a pendulum. Yes. Eventually, we'll get back to Dirty Harry type movies and get away from Fantastic. We'll I be, don't know that we'll ever get back to we'll Dirty back. Harry kind of movies. Though. It'd be something else. I don't. And, know. I, and the reason, and I mean, you know, that gritty, no special effects kind of character. Yeah. Because you know we still have plenty of action heroes. Sure. But we have a lot of explosions with them. That's correct. Well, thank you, Michael Bay, okay. but well, I don't know that we'll, that's going we'll to We'll go back to soon. Die Hard then. Okay, okay. You know, I mean, there's Bruce uh, Willis is still making those movies. And, you know, realistically, he's a great example of what is a... He's not. It's not a comic book character, but he's a great example of what could have been a comic character made into a movie. Because mm-hmm. he's a reluctant anti-hero. Yeah. In many ways. Mm-hmm. 
He so he is typical of that kind of character. That's one of the reasons why those movies do so good. Well, unfortunately, though, we are in the era <clears throat> of the only really way to be successful in the movies long term is with franchising. Yes. Yes. Well, be, yeah. Be bigger than anything you, you else. You will not see bigger that go CGI, away. Bigger you, well, it's not even that. You have to have a reason to keep making movies that people want to see. Yeah. And it's really comic books in in the movies is exactly that. The reason comic books you keep buying them, you love the characters and you love the world that's been well, built. Same with the movies. It's a franchise movies, thing. Yeah, the movies are. It's it's part of being a, an outgrowth. Well, I mean, started before the comics, but. You had the multiple Star Wars movies. That's you right. had the multiple Jurassic Park movies. You had That's the right. multiple Mission well, Impossible. Those movies, were all, all franchises. Yeah. Yeah. The Terminator movies. Yeah, Terminator. Yeah, there's a new what? Terminator coming. Franchises we like make the story. Money. That's right. We people want, like stories. I mean, that means long form. We want the long form story. We are we are beyond tired of the reset button being pushed at the end of the episode. That's that, and that started in the nineties. That's right. You started seeing certain TV shows. Develop a long-term long plot arcs. Arc. Yeah, that's right. Whether it be Star Trek or Babylon Five, Babylon Five was or any of these the others that really started it. Lost is later, but later. yes, but that's, that's Babylon Five was link. really the yeah. first that proved because it was a beginning, middle, and end, and it's stuck. Right. We're not with some that. just deep space franchise. No, so we mean something. That's we stand right. for something, and that was one that proved. Wait a minute, you did this on what kind of budget, and you made it happen, and it's that good. So much so, it's even stood the test of time. That was that was a watershed moment. That convinced the studios, maybe this is not because if it weren't for Babylon Five, Lost may not have ever gotten made. Possibly, yeah. yeah. Or in stories, you know. Well, even when you look at the two later Treks, Voyager and Enterprise, they had a bit of a continuing storyline. That's correct. That's right. They were they both a little to. episodic, but there was an overall but when, arc. And they realized it because once they started going with that longer form, the ratings went up and didn't go away. They realized, wait a minute, we don't want episodic. So we can have a little bit. When you start looking at how we're going to do this in the movies, what do they do? The creators turn to what they grew up with, the episodic stories, and they bring them to the big screen yeah. in a way that now you can. That's right. You and think it, of one of the quintessential movie-esque series or set of issues? It's the Kree scroll War in the last 10 issues of the first 100 issues of uh, Avengers, you know, basically 90 to 99. Uh, it's, I think it's 89 to 97, technically. Yeah. You couldn't do that in a movie. This is prior to Star Wars. You couldn't yeah. do those special effects. You couldn't even do those special effects at the time of Star Wars. Yeah. You couldn't do them until you got into the late 90s, really. And so that's when you start thinking, hey, maybe we can do this. But it was such a risk because nobody had done them before. That's right. So until Marvel took that step and said, we're going to use our own money. And they really, they risked the everything on those, those characters right. <clears throat> or those movies. And it wasn't really until the first Avengers movie that it paid off. Well, I don't know. That, well, they were all successful, but the the interconnectedness was dependent upon that first Avengers in 2012. If that had not been the mega hit, you may not have seen it go forward. It may not have gone. It may have. It may not have gotten the way That's it has correct. now. It, it would have, but it, without a future, the, all the interconnectedness started from the first movie. They oh, started laying the groundwork. That's right. Yeah. But from if, the very if it beginning, it was going to fail. That's where it would have failed. That was the weak point. So, anyways, which was not weak at all, of course. That's. That's why it's popular. You know, I mean, all those reasons. Story, characters. It's long-term storytelling, and you got the means to do it. And everybody else has, been, has done everything that you could do. Thanks for being with us here every week at Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Be sure to spread the word on your social media accounts. Follow us and retweet us. We are on Instagram and on Twitter at Snakes and Otters. 
Let your friends know that they can find us on Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and on YouTube. Just search Snakes and Otters Podcast to find us, and please remember to leave us your comments and reviews. It helps people find us. And you can always send us an email at snakesandotterspodcast at gmail.com. I'm Martin. I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Catch us next week. Same snake time, same otter channel. Yeah.